Welcome to Indisputable. I'm Sharon Reed in for Dr. Rashad Ritchie. And joining us, a special guest co-host today is the mayor of Enfield, North Carolina. My man, there he is, Mondale Robinson. Bonnie Willis gives Trump and his allies a deadline to turn themselves in as an arrested. For the press on Monday night, Fulton County DA, she goes by Madam DA. That's what her staff calls her every single time, Madam DA. Bonnie Willis told Donald Trump and others indicted they've been granted the opportunity to voluntarily surrender. Watch. Subsequent to the indictment, as is the normal process in Georgia law, the, the grand jury issued arrest warrants for those who are charged. I am giving the defendants the opportunity to voluntarily surrender no later than noon on Friday. The 25th day of August, 2023. I remind everyone here that an indictment is only a series of allegations based on a grand jury's determination of probable cause to support the charges. It is now the duty of my office to prove these charges in the indictment beyond a reasonable doubt at trial. Trial is something she's really good at, okay? We could list the names. And by the way, defendant voluntarily surrender. She's given the same speech before you know, that, that gang. She is prosecuting right now on racketeering charges, YSL. She says they're a gang, she's going after them right now. She has divided time, but again, if anybody can do it, it's her. Okay, we'll, we'll talk more about Fonnie Willis, the great DA out of Fulton County. After announcing the names of those who are being indicted, DA Willis also listed off the premise of her indictment. Of the 19 individuals, some familiar names include Mark Meadows, Jeffrey Clark, John Eastman, Sidney Powell, Kenneth Cheesebro, Jenna Ellis. And between them, there's, well, 41 count, 41 of them. Let's go to Madam DA again. Specifically, the participants in association took various actions in Georgia and elsewhere to block the counting of the votes of the presidential electors who were certified as the winners of Georgia's 2020 general election. As you examine the indictment, you will see acts that are identified as overt acts, and those that are identified as predicate acts, sometimes called acts of racketeering activity. Overt acts are not necessarily crimes under Georgia law in isolation, but are alleged to be acts taken in furtherance of the conspiracy. Okay, so we've gotten our little law school lesson there. I needed it, I'm sure Mayor Robinson doesn't need it. She went on to say, many occurred in Georgia while some happened in other places, but are included because they are part of the effort to overthrow the 2020 election results in Georgia. Raw story with the details here. Um, she's saying this is a criminal enterprise and she intends to prove it. DA Willis went further explaining to those who had gathered just before midnight. The acts identified as predicate acts or acts of racketeering activity are crimes that are alleged to have been committed in furtherance of the criminal enterprise. Acts 
acts of racketeering activity are also charged as separate counts in the indictment against those who are alleged to have committed them. All elections in our nation are administered by these states, which are given the responsibility of ensuring a fair process and an accurate counting of the votes. That includes elections for presidential electors, Congress, state officials, and local offices. The state's role in this process is essential to the functioning of our democracy. Georgia, like every state, has laws that allow those who believe that results of an election are wrong, whether because of intentional wrongdoing or unintentional error, to challenge those results in our state courts. The indictment alleges that rather than abide by Georgia's legal process for election challenges, the defendants engaged in a criminal racketeering enterprise to overturn Georgia's presidential election result. So there you have it. Madam DA Fonnie Willis. Meantime, the defendant, one of 19, Donald Trump, took to Truth Social. I wonder, can she charge him for naming the social media site that? This doesn't seem like a lot of truth, but we'll see. He went on Truth Social to unmask the rigors who stole the election from him. So he's still at it after he was indicted in Georgia. You see the statement, large, complex, detailed, but irrefutable report on the presidential election fraud, which took place in Georgia, is almost complete and will be presented by me at a major news conference at 11 a.m. on Monday of next week in his backyard there, Bedminster, New Jersey. He calls it conclusive reporting and demands all charges should be dropped. Once you hear this, you'll be exonerated, he says, okay? They only went after those that fought to find the rigors. If Defiant had a name and a picture and a spray tan, it would be Donald Trump, okay? It would be Donald Trump. There's more, the unsealed 98 page indictment states Trump is hit with 13 counts, which include a racketeering charge, solicitation of violation of oath by a public officer, conspiracy to commit impersonating of a public officer, conspiracy to commit forgery, conspiracy to commit false statements, and conspiracy to commit filing false documents. Again, Roll story has those details. Furthermore, state and federal elections officials found no evidence of widespread irregularities in Georgia. And former Trump lawyer Rudy Giuliani, who was among those indicted, lost his law license over false claims he made about the state's vote. And he conceded last month to making false claims about a mother-daughter pair of poll workers who have sued him for defamation. He put him through it, he really took him through it. Rudy Giuliani made his career using RICO, in this ironic, to go after the mob when he was a US attorney and is now on the receiving end of one of his favorite tools. As a then prosecutor, RICO charges, this time metered out by DA Willis. Giuliani 
specifically was charged with solicitation of violation of oath by public officer. False statements, writings, conspiracy to commit impersonating a public officer, conspiracy to commit forgery in the first degree, conspiracy to commit false statements and writings, and conspiracy to commit filing false documents. That reporting per the insider. Georgia's RICO law is much more expansive than the federal version of the law. It allows for a lot more different kinds of conduct to be covered. That makes it very easy to sweep people into one criminal enterprise. And it's a favorite tool for a lot of prosecutors. Fonnie Wills will admit this is like her all time favorite, okay? You like pasta? She likes Rico, loves it, can't get enough of it. And the punishments for violating the state's RICO are harsh. There is a minimum five year sentence for offenders, minimum. There can be a lengthy prison sentence for any co-defendants as well. But it also introduces a new dynamic, which Trump might not be used to. Big incentive for people who are listed as co-defendants to cooperate with the state, provide evidence in order to escape punishment and secure favorable deals. Fonnie Willis, as we said, no stranger to Georgia's RICO law 2014 and 2015. Willis and lawyer John Floyd notably worked together in the RICO prosecution of 35 educators who engaged in a scheme to change test scores within the Atlanta public school system. The eight month trial eventually resulted in convictions for 11 of the 12 defendants. Point of contention within the black community back in 2022, the DA Willis, Defended her use of rap lyrics in criminal cases following the indictment of members of the drug rich gang. Willis said those listed in the indictment spoke about the offenses in their music. A confession, if you will, is what she's alleging. I think if you decide to admit your crimes over a beat, I'm going to use it. I'm going to continue to do that. People can continue to be angry about it. I have some legal advice. Don't confess to crimes on rap lyrics. If you do not want them used or at least get out of my county. NBC News with the quote from Madam DA. And now white voters of the affluent Buckhead area of Atlanta, they're, well, they're very upset with her. I'm hearing from some of them. Yes, I have some friends in Buckhead. They're upset with her over this indictment that they believe should not have been brought. So, Mayor, I want to start there because this pint size, incredibly dogged, methodical, smart district attorney is at home straddling, straddling two communities. And it doesn't feel like she is melting under the pressure. What do you make of her? Yeah, I mean, well, listen, you know. Fanny, whenever you're a black DA, you have this, you have this, uh, this duality that you have to deal with. Um, where when you prosecute people who are famous and also influential, as is uh, the person that she named the leader of this gang, talking about rich homie. I mean, not rich homie, Corn. Sorry, uh, young thugger, who was you know paying money to get black men out of out of jails in Atlanta around Father's Day, while she said was also committing a criminal activity that led up. To these RICO charges, you're always going to have this, you know, this rub in our community because we see, on one hand, these brothers doing wonderful things like getting brothers out on Father's Day, and also making music that people enjoy, but then also. 
causing some kind of terrorism or terrorist activities in our community when you think about the things that she's accused him of. So that's that. The fact that she's willing to stand in that space and not buckle is a testament to who she is in her character. Uh, I, I will use Rico whenever I think it's uh, applicable, not just for black people in black communities, which it probably was intended, which is why Georgia's Rico law is so expansive, right? So we can sweep up these black people, but she's using it and, and creating waves with her white friends or probably used to be white friends or supporters, no longer that. In Buckhead and other affluent communities, especially in North Georgia, people who voted for Donald Trump overwhelmingly. Now to say that, listen, this is not just a crime that happened in Atlanta. It happened in Cook County. It happened outside of our state. But because one of those crimes happened in my county and I'm going after them, I'm going to take this entire enterprise down for what they've done. I'm super excited about this and I'm glad you pointed out the fact and you talked about Giuliani who made his name on Rico going out to Wall Street and also mob bosses for using these criminal enterprises to enrich themselves. Now is finding himself in the middle of this, which says says something different about this person. He should have, all people should have known what dangers he was putting himself in following Trump down that rabbit hole, or I should say cesspool. He should have known that. So when they stripped him of his law license, I better hit a little different for this person. And he also knows the way out is to talk about or tell on Donald Trump. Because this is the only way you're gonna get any grace in the state of Georgia, especially with Fannie at the helm. She's not gonna let you guys off the hook. And for anybody that was looking for justice in this case, it may not come at the federal level because of the pardon system. There's no pardons for Donald Trump when it comes to Fannie. She's going after him and even if he does, somehow wins the presidential election, he will still be charged and persecuted for what he did in Georgia. And I'm super excited about it, mainly because I watched and worked so hard in that state for the outcome of 2020. What he did to those two sisters, and people don't talk about that crime enough. Those sisters had to move and do so much to protect themselves because of the people he incited to go after them. And that too should, I hope, be a part of this 98 you know, 98 page uh, indictment against Donald Trump and his uh, 19 cronies. Yeah, prepared, she is thorough. People are saying Rico, uh, it reminds us of mobsters and that stereotypical. But the definition of a mobster is a, is a criminal entity, violent. I think someone named Ruby would say Donald Trump and his goons have been violent and violated her life. And I want to see this, no more of these sketches where I don't really know who you're drawing. But that's, he's a little bit heavier than that and a bit more smug. This is going to be televised, Mayor. This is going to be televised. And to me, who I don't like prosecutors and overreach and all this stuff, I happen to like her, I wonder why. The televising of this main event, is going to change the course of history. I do believe that, the minutia of it. Yeah, I think in, in beyond the minutia of it, I think the, the power of what's gonna be the death of Donald Trump, not physical death, but like his character as it pertains to what he continues to say unchecked on Fox News, on Newsmax. And what they continue to say about him is a televised trial 
where all of this evidence is gonna be laid out against him. And they can't, his people can no longer say there's no evidence, there's no documentation, because we're gonna see it in the court system. And they're gonna be, they're gonna have a just, they're gonna be, they're gonna have a serious decision to make. Do we continue to turn down the institutions of this country, mainly the justice system, saying all of this evidence being prevented or presented on live TV is false and Donald Trump is real? Or we have to say, okay, this guy truly was a criminal. So I can't wait to see all of what's gonna happen in this trial, especially the televising of it, because I have popcorn that's waiting for it. Yeah, I do too. I like mine with extra butter, Mayor. But I think you also made an excellent point, and I want to circle back to it. Because when we're talking about this DA, maybe you can't be a DA who I think is perhaps the most, if not one of the top three most powerful people in the state of Georgia, and by extension, the country. Because this is ground zero for what happens next politically. But when you have a district attorney, who is willing to use RICO against mostly black teachers, YSL accused gang bangers black and stereotypically hip hop, okay? And her white friends, as you said, supporters celebrate that. And then she says, you know what? Same law applies to you, Donald Trump. And bringing him before a judge, and I wonder which judge it's gonna be, that too, it's gonna be juicy, and making him stand there. An account, you have to account, is just, um, it's breathtaking, I think. I'll give you the last word because you raised something else. Even if he wanted to do it, he's always arguing with Brian Kemp, so he probably wouldn't. Georgia governor can't pardon you either. Yeah, I think I think here's, here's another a beauty and power of the, the separation of powers and also the different governments and jurisdiction in this country, right? We are learning so much just from this 98 page document and we ain't even seen a day in court, right? Uh, so this is this is gonna check all of those people who gave Donald Trump all of these, or continue to give him all of these passes. But above that, we found out Mark Meadows, his chief of staff was named in this indictment, which means he's probably not working with Fannie, right? He's not working with Fannie Willis, that's, that's perfectly fine. What we do know though is he's not named in the federal document, which kind of leads us to believe that maybe Mark Meadows says something to the federal government that he didn't say to the state of Georgia, which means he probably flipped on Trump. And I can't wait to see where he is because he was not named in that indictment. So I'm super excited, not because I wanna see someone fall, but I definitely wanna see the idea of Trumpism gone from our politics. Because as toxic as the politics were already for black men, black people, people of color, trans people, people that were non-white, Donald Trump brought something extra to it and he mm. gave people power to run up in the people's house and try to kill the vice president at the time, mm. the vice president elect. I mean, these people were shouting, hang the second in power for our government. Democracy almost died on January 6th and it was because of Donald Trump words. And Fannie Willis said, not on my watch and we're gonna yeah. end. I think the women rule right now, okay? I think the women rule, Fannie Willis and probably Mark Meadows, why? Who, the moment she learned the scope of this thing, probably sent him a text, you're married, mayor, that said, get home now, get home now. Or you might not be coming home at all. And thus, we'll see who turns state's evidence. We'll see what happens next. Um, I once interviewed this DA, and she is quite tiny and petite. But the minute she opens her mouth, and it was probably the most obnoxious interview 
I did, I know that surprises you, Mayor. Uh, but I enjoyed it, I had not met her. I tried to check around and say, well, who is she? Because I was getting oppositional tips from her. Well, the other camp saying she's this, she's that. And I gave her everything, I researched and I hit her with everything. And to her credit, she took it and she answered it all. Okay, I felt two feet tall afterwards, but I was captivated and I fell in love with her spirit. I don't have to agree with every decision and I'm not sure if I don't, I'm just saying I like people who are principled and have integrity. And to me, that's her. Yeah, without a doubt. I mean, any anyone, you can say what you wanna say. Fannie Willis is acting every time she acts in what she believes to be the just, the best decision or the best decision, the best act for America's justice system, especially the part that she's in control of. And I, I mean, you know, and like, as you said, I definitely don't agree with all of her decisions, and it's not my place to. Um, but I definitely think she believes every time she makes a decision is for the betterment of justice in this country, and she's not wavering on that at all. Well, we're gonna see buckle up and maybe we'll do some watch parties, Mayor. I know you're awful busy, you travel, you've got all these obligations. But I, and it's not about celebrating crime. We both are of the same mindset with there's too many laws and rules and prisons and profiting. But I wouldn't mind having a watch party or two just because I love the law and I wanna see history made no matter where it takes us. The story of a black family, a black male are told by others and it can be very dangerous. And we're learning that there are definitely two life experiences, two points of view, who's right, who's wrong. The man who inspired the blind side, Oscar award winning film, Sandra Bullock played the mother. Michael Orr says he's been exploited and it's been going on for decades. Former NFL offensive lineman Michael Orr claims his life story, which was turned into the feel good film, The Blind Side, is based on a lie. More specifically, he alleges that the white couple who claimed to have adopted him instead entered him into a conservatorship for their own financial gain. That document lives today. And so let's get into what all sides are saying here. Why would it still be living today? Ex-NFL player filed a petition to terminate the custodial agreement after learning he was not a legal member of Sean and Leanne Tui's family in February. The lie of Michael's adoption is one upon which co-conservators Leanne Tui and Sean Tui have enriched themselves at the expense of their ward. The undersigned Michael Orr stated the documents that were filed in a Shelby County court in Tennessee. It's just stunning, and a black star with some of the breakouts from that document. It also states that, quote, at no point did the Tuies inform Michael that they would have ultimate control of all his contracts. And as a result, Michael did not understand that if the conservatorship was granted, he'd be signing away his right to contract for himself. That's a basic human right, I make decisions for me. The conservatorship should have concluded when Orr turned 25, but when the contract was terminated by the court, neither 
has happened? Did they forget? Because now he's 37 years old and he's asking that the legal arrangement be ended and that the couple be prohibited from using his name and likeness. Who owns you? Who owns you? When you look in the mirror, you don't even own you is what this young man is going through. This background, the retired athlete began living with the Tuies the summer before his senior year of high school. That was in 2004. At the time, the couple reportedly expressed their intention to adopt him. But instead, they're accused of presenting him with the conservatorship papers. They allegedly explained to Orr that it was just another word used to adopt a person who was considered a legal adult by the state. Nothing to see here, they said. Orr's story of being a homeless ward of the state beginning at age 11 was first published by author Michael Lewis in 2006. Three years later, the Tuies inked a $225,000 deal with 20th Century Fox to adapt the football player's life into the highly successful film, The Blind Side. They are also alleged to have earned 2.5% of the movie's profits. That's almost never done, folks. Big stars get that, only when they have max leverage. It's almost never done. Studios fight to hold on to the back end. The movie was distributed by Warner Brothers, reported 29 million budget, that's the budget. Made more than 300 million at the box office. Good investment for Warner. But Orr never saw a dime from its success. He alleges that the deal worked out by the Tuies cut him out of the profits made from the rights to his name and likeness. Unbelievable, but that is what he swears under oath in the document. Sandra Bullock. Who played Leanne, won Best Actress for her portrayal and the film for Best Picture at the 2010 Academy Awards. The actress also scored wins at the Critics' Choice Awards, the Golden Globes. Critics of the film have long lamented it was a flawed story anchored by a good old white savior. Because that's what Hollywood does. It's not a story until a white person saves a person of color. Leanne is allegedly the same woman who, according to users online, admitted to profiling black teens in an old Facebook post. So let's take a look at that, shall we? We see what we want, it's the gospel truth. These two were literally huddled over in a corner table, nose to nose. That person with me said, I bet they are up to no good. Well, you know me, I walked over there and told them to scoot over. 10 seconds of dead silence, I said, so what's happening at this table? I get nothing. I then explained it was my store and they should spill it. Showed me their phones, they were texting friends trying to scrape up three bucks each for the high school basketball game. Well, here comes the savior part. They left with smiles and money for popcorn and bus fare. We have to stop judging people and assuming and pigeonholing people. Don't judge a book by its cover or the rights to its movie apparently. Hmm. There's more, okay? You see this when asked about the photo. People don't really know what happened because I actually had money. I have a job and have had one for over a year. I was gonna pay for my brother, the other guy in the picture, but he was insisting on waiting on his uncle, but his phone was dying. So we were charging it, which is the reason we were in KFC in the first place. I mean, you see it for yourself here, okay? That's when he said she came over to us. Never mentioned her initial reason was because of her friend's comment, just now finding that out. 
She never actually asked for it as she was handing us the money. This is what was said about this photo. She was like, hey, you know what? I think this would be a great picture. And everyone with her was totally, yeah. We kind of just went along with the situation like, sure, why not? You're Michael Orr's mom. The whole time I was thinking, you know why she'd come up to us in the first place? I was still clueless up until she posted the picture on social media, stated the person with me said, I bet they're up to no good. Now, Sean Tuohy told the Daily Memphian that the claims have devastated the family. The claims by Michael Orr. Tuohy said the conservatorship was drawn up to ensure that Orr was eligible to play football at the University of Mississippi. Tuohy is a booster at that school, and if Orr was not part of the family, there could have been potential NCAA issues sending him there. Tuohy suggested a simple transaction to keep Michael safe. Another way of putting it. I sat Michael down and told him. If you're going to play for Old Miss or even considering Old Miss, we think you have to be part of the family. This would do that legally, Tui said. We contacted lawyers who had told us that we couldn't adopt over the age 18. The only thing we could do was to have a conservatorship. We were so concerned it was on the up and up that we made sure the biological mother came to court. Tui also dismissed the idea that the family profited handsomely from the movie. And stop calling her the biological mother, she's his mother. New York Post with the details there, quoting Mr. Tui. There's so much here, Mayor, to unpack. There's just so much. This young man says he was portrayed as stupid, didn't own the rights to his own story, and didn't get any money, and he was lied to. And at age 37, after coming in contact and living with the Tuis before his senior year, He's now 37 and he's finally saying enough. Yeah, I mean, more than enough. This this is a person who found out this year in February that he wasn't a part of the family that he thought it was a part of. He found out it was a conservatorship, a, a document that said we own you basically, or at least we own your rights. This sounds so much like slavery. Also, what's also on trial in here that's not on trial, the unsaid unsaid is the fact that we just, the idea that the Supreme Court just done away with affirmative action. But we see how rich white people can make way for anybody to go to a school. How about he can go to Ole Miss because he's an athlete, not because of you. The idea that 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 affirmative action is going away is a lie. We see that story playing out right here when they say we could just write a piece of paper and make it so you're eligible to go because we give so much money. That story is in that story that we're not even talking about. Beyond that, the fact that we're talking about Alabama owning a black person right by these white people does not sit well with my soul. We are watching white people steal the bodies, the abilities of a black man at the age of 18 and own him for his entire adult life. And we can't pretend that there's no causation in what's happening. And what they owe, $6 million is what they made off that movie. Just they're saying they made none. They're yeah. saying, oh, the family just got, and there's the accusation from Michael Orr that their biological children, the Tuohys, also were cut into the deal. The Tuohys claim, no, no, everybody just got like 14,000 bucks. Michael got some too. I mean, you're talking about a father who, according to reporting, sold his company for $200 million. How much is enough? Yeah. And if you're posting Facebook posts, Mayor, about all of your good deeds, are they really coming from the heart or are they coming from image? And was there really a friend who whispered that or was it you, Leanne? 
And I mean, even if it is a friend, the fact that you don't even know that you're this is the idea. Like you're racist and don't even see it. And um, you know, we 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 if you read the book Anti-Racist, you know, racism is not just for those who commit the acts. And race is not a permanent thing, right? The, the idea of racism is in every action where you have a chance to stop it or do something against it. When your friend said that, the correct response is not to go over there and harass these two young men. The correct response is to say, if those were two white boys, would you say that? If those were two white girls, would you say that? Why didn't you check your friend? You walking over there asking them to scoot over and do something is not only harassing them, but it's also being racist. So your actions explain exactly what Michael is telling the world now at 37, you did to another young black man 20 some years ago, so almost 30 years ago. We see this repeating itself in your actions. In your actions, and the kid has—I mean, if you look at the video, it backs up what he said. His cell phone charger is in his hand, in the picture. So the idea that you stop them from charging their phone so that they can ensure they had what they need to get where they were going—you injected your whiteness and said, "Come, let me be your savior in this picture for all of the world to see." I'm I disgusted. I'm disgusted too, Mayor, but it's not unlike what all of us have faced—not at this public level, perhaps, but sometimes. I can remember in the workforce having both a general manager and a news director. One thought he was hip and with it, woke. And one day he said to me, I wanted this young lady promoted because she earned it. Person of color, smartest inter. I, I was blown away. She started writing things, took initiative. And it was good. I didn't have to even correct it. I said, hey, we got this entry level position. Let's give it to her. By the way, she's an anchor today. Okay, I think I could see a little something here. And he says to me, as we had a staff and managers, mostly white, who he would constantly complain about, he said, Well, I'd like to hire more black people, but I, I can't find any qualified. I couldn't let it go, Mayor. I closed the glass door to his office and I told him, you have offended me greatly. He got red and he said, what, what? And I told him, how dare you, how dare you? Every day I come into this office, every day. And you point through the glass door and you talk about this one and that one. And they all look like you, not me, since you wanna make it an issue, how dare you? Hold my people to this kind of standard and pretend that we're not great, okay? It was that offensive. And so I think you're right. When Leanne Tui posts this, she's so clueless because that's what America allows her to be. She actually thinks she's woke and a freedom fighter. What say you? Yeah, I think you're spot on and it's so much. This is why I tell people all the time, so many people that so-called allied themselves with the struggles of black folk, that you're stepping on your own foot and getting in your own way. When you come in here with this savior complex talking about what your community needs to do as if we don't have answers. The problem is you're not listening. And when we're screaming at the top of our lungs that black lives matter, you guys are so worried about white fragility that you can't hear us. But when a white person says, hey, don't don't judge black kids, even though I just did and went over there and profiled them. 
it sounds like a hero complex. I bet you that's one of her most liked posts out of all her social media posts by all white people. Black people feel cringy when we see this because we know what it is. For, for years and years, we've been saying everything that Tim Wise says. Tim Wise makes millions of dollars off of saying the same thing that black people say about <laughs> black people. And he's not done anything, not donated or not fixed any of his racist cousins. Wow. I tell you what, I know people didn't like how Will Smith acted in the slap and we've dissected it. Um, but remember what he won the Oscar for and whose story that was? I pray that we're going to get Hollywood to understand. Their formula is a lie, by the way. We've proven that we show up at the box office and we like our stories. And guess who else is there in the movie theater with us, okay? So when he stars in a film about Richard Williams, Serena and Venus's father, I don't recall a white hero. I recall him checking a lot of people in the film. I want Hollywood and I want everybody connected to the blind side. I want to hear from everybody connected. I don't know why, Mayor, and maybe you should check me. Maybe I'm wrong. I want to hear from Sandra Bullock. Because if that were me, I don't want to profit off of this. I, I had no idea. I, or did she? I don't know. But I want to hear from everybody. Or at least let's, 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 she needs to definitely say something and, yes. and say, hey, this, this, there needs to be an asterisk beside this Oscar that says, this is not a biopic. This is actually fiction. Mm -hmm. I want an Oscar for playing a racist white woman. Yeah, this is an Oscar award winning actress. If you know anything about the makeup of her family, okay? I need to hear from you, Sandy, I need to hear from you, okay? And I need there to perhaps be a sequel. And we'll let Will Packer produce it this time. Okay, Will Packer can produce it because then we, we can trust that he understands that there's many layers to black stories. And you don't have to make this talented, sensitive young man sound stupid and only be where he is today because of white saviors. She hit him, he didn't hit her, he didn't take a folding chair. He's trying to gamble and mind his own business. And that happens at the casino. This couple, I guess a couple who's racist together, Mayor. Well, they enjoy this kind of thing. They've done it before, they look like they were pros at it. But let's give you some more context. Well, how about another installment? Charges. Hey, is security gonna come? 
I'm what? No, say it again. No, say say the. Oh, I got you. Oh, but no, he's sitting up here calling me and everything like that. Okay. We beeped it, but you know what he said rhymes with truth social Donald Trumpers rigor. Okay, that's what was said. Do you see how that was turned around? She's violent and out of control. She's physically assaulted a man. He's done nothing to her, but suddenly he is being attacked because he dare say, hey, that's not okay. You violated me. Black man who recorded and posted the video, Devon Leslie Jr. provided further context on Facebook. Here it is. Wasn't sure if I was gonna post this, but now that I've had time to give it some thought, I want it known about these two people. This woman went off on me, hit me in the face, kicked me in the back because I sat too close to her and her boyfriend. So this is how I was treated. If you have any idea who these people are, I would like to know. They both were arrested Thursday night, August 3rd, 2023 for her was assault, he was intoxicated, worst feeling in the world. I did absolutely nothing wrong, nor did I defend myself against them. He knew better, that's my commentary, he knew better. Or this whole thing would have been flipped upside down. I honestly feel some type of way because I didn't. Thanks to the Bossier City Police and the casino for standing up for me because this could have gone another way. He wants them identified, Mayor, I want you to react to the footage. But I had that, remember that? And I don't remember even what it was about, but it's in my head. You about to lose your job, you about to lose your job. <laughs> remember that one? He wants them identified. Yeah, I mean, they're about to lose their job, but we see what happens in these cases, right? There'll be a GoFundMe that make them millionaires because America has enough money to fund white supremacy, especially at the expense of black suffering. What people won't tell you is patriotism is not synonymous with caring about this country or its flags or its soldiers or its veterans. He's in a picture on his on his Facebook page in military uniform in front of a military flag, meaning the ability for her to stand and scream and kick and hit him and be that white is because of his service. And that means nothing. We walked into this Walgreens, right? I don't know the address, but we walked into this Walgreens, and me and my cousin were gonna come in and just get something, get some like some kind of snack or whatever. Okay. And then this lady to the side, this lady to the side, uh, she said, "If you guys don't leave, I'm calling the cops." And then Tavia was like, "Wait, who us?" And she said, "Yes, you guys." So where is the lady at? So come on. Excuse me. Yeah, her. Are you the manager? Okay, so what's the problem? My grandson came in here to purchase something, and what did you say to him? I said he can come and purchase it right here with me, or he can leave because I've had a bunch of kids come in and steal. I wasn't assuming it was them. I just told them, you can grab your stuff and come purchase it here, or I can call the cops and you can leave. That's Wait a minute, let me tell you something. No, that's not it. That's if they have every right to come into the store and purchase what they want without being harassed by you, okay. why would you tell them... Bring their stuff up here right now and purchase it or leave or you're gonna call the cops. Why would you call the cops on children when they haven't done anything to you? They have every right, if they were white kids, you wouldn't do it. They have every right to come into the store and walk around and purchase what they want without harassment from you. Okay, ma'am. No 
problem. You need to apologize to them. I apologize to you guys. I'm sorry for Give me the number for your corporate office because I will be reporting you. Okay. I don't know the number. You can search it up on loggings.com. I'm sorry about that. Give me the number to your manager. Okay. I'll go find... Oh, well... I don't know who you think you are. They have every right to come into the store. It's just stunning. It makes me want to look away, Mayor. And this has happened, I would suspect, to you. It's happened to me. I'm a mother and I'm furious. Those aren't my kids and I'm furious. And I think she did the right thing with the right tone. And the Karen on the other side of the counter quickly backed down and gave a flip apology. But it's not enough. What say you, Mayor? Yeah, I'd say that wasn't even an apology, right? Like the attitude that came with it and the, the, the smugness of you being right, treating kids in this manner and saying in the same breath, I'm not saying it was them stealing, but I told them to do this because they might steal something is again, accusatory. And just like that grandmother said, if these were white kids, this wouldn't have been the case. Your money's good, but you can't be here long enough for us to consider that. So I, I was not happy about that at all, not at all. And I tell you something else that's disgusting in this video. The arrogance, the arrogance of this young lady behind that counter is unremarkable to me. Well, Mayor, I don't want to get you over the top, but you're a measured man. But I, we have to show you more video. Let's go. That's why I was just letting you guys know you can grab your stuff and come over. But why? Did they say anything to you? Did you see them do anything? No, ma'am. So then why are you bothering them? I'm solving, I'm trying to fix the situation. There is no situation. You just said it yourself. There was no situation. You created the situation by addressing them and they didn't do anything to you. When you see kids come in the store, black kids, you don't just go tell them, get your stuff or I'm calling the cops. You have no right to call the cops on them. They did nothing wrong. They have every right. The American citizens, they have every right to come into the store when they get ready and purchase what they want without harassment from you. Okay. Now give me your manager's number. All right, I'll go get it. I will be reporting. You don't need to be a manager. Know who you think you are. Yeah, do that. Next time, follow white kids around. Leave these alone. She needed to hear every bit of it, needed to be loud in her face and make perfect sense. Her conduct, the Karen in this story made no sense, none, okay? Just doing what she was taught to be another racist targeting black children. And it really was just about the color of their skin. She didn't even try to analyze who they were, just say hello. How about when I walk into the store or my child does, you just say, Mayor, hi, welcome to Walgreens, can I help you? Instead of attacking them and threatening them, I'll call the police. When does it stop? When one of them ends up dead. Wow. And that's not me speaking again in hyperbole. Consider the fact that for boys this age, young black boys this age, 18 to 20 something, the number one cause of death is police officers. And she threatened them with death. Think about that. She threatened them with death. Somebody threatened Tamir Rice with death for playing with a toy gun on the on the playground. This is a this is a threat to those young boys' lives. And that grandmother is absolutely furious because she knows what could have happened had the police officers showed up. And those little boys said, We wouldn't do anything. We didn't do anything. We know what the outcome could have been. None of their words would have been heard, and they would have been treated as criminals, handcuffed and waited till the investigation was over. This is disgusting behavior, but it's also American behavior. It's as American as apple pie and baseball to treat little black boys in this manner.
It really is. We're gonna move on, but I can tell you, um, getting this on the shade room, they break stories sometimes. Walgreens has responded. I'll give you the quote real quick. Team member has been placed on leave while we investigate the incident. We believe everyone should be welcome and treated with respect at our stores. We take these matters seriously and our policies strictly prohibit any form of discrimination or racial profiling. And any such incident will not be tolerated. I would think you would have that training and that statement before you make somebody a manager and have them do this. Cuz she sure seemed confident in her actions. That's just my take. Shocking accounts from locals on the Maui wildfires. Just devastating the pictures are, the death toll climbing. Let's watch. We're trying, man. Hurry the f on down, be the horn. What the f, dude? Be the horn, be the horn. Yo, 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 what the f? Hurry up! Focus so much of it on the flames, the intense heat of those flames, but the smoke too, and the toxins. Just, um, I feel like we're we're watching people's lives just get devastated, just get devastated from this. In the aftermath of the catastrophic wildfire in Maui, which as of now has been confirmed to have taken at least 99 lives. And remember, they haven't searched so much. So much of this area still has to be searched. People are now questioning Hawaii's reaction, how it may have contributed to the mounting death toll. At least 99 people are confirmed dead, as we said, from the wildfires. The number could double over the next 10 days. As of Monday, around 25% of the fire zone had been searched, just 25%. Police Chief Pelletier said, Adding, he hopes 85%, 90% will have been covered by the weekend. Crews are going through what used to be homes, businesses, historic landmarks burned to the ground after wind-whipped wildfires began spreading erratically August 8th, suddenly engulfing homes, forcing harrowing escapes and likely displacing thousands. Now, given Hawaii's robust siren system, 400 sirens across the Hawaiian Islands, we have to ask why they fell silent and remained unactivated. As the conflagration erupted on Tuesday, accelerated with strong winds from a hurricane passing hundreds of miles off the coast, Hawaii's residents say they didn't hear any warning sirens. Instead, only realizing their lives were in danger when they saw flames racing toward them or heard explosions nearby. The Daily Beast with these incredible details, CNN had the earlier reporting. Hawaii has 
what the state calls the world's largest integrated outdoor all hazard public warning system. With as we said, about 400 sirens linked across the chain of islands. It's supposed to be used to notify locals of natural disasters and other threats. But Hawaii Emergency Management Agency spokesperson Adam Weintraub told the Associated Press on Thursday that the departmental records do not show that the sirens on Maui were activated. Emergency alerts were instead sent to cell phones, broadcast on TV and radio. As well as the lack of warning, firefighting efforts may have been hindered by the lack of staff. According to Hawaii Firefighters Association President Bobby Lee, maximum of 65 firefighters work at any time to deal with fire across three islands. And while the crews have 13 fire engines, two ladder trucks, the department doesn't have any off-road vehicles. There's also the lack of access to firefighting water due to ongoing water conflicts. Climate, water, fight over water is nothing new on Maui, but the impact on the country's ability to battle fires is coming clear. With wildfires ravaging West Maui on August 8th, a state water official delayed the release of water that landowners wanted to help protect their property from fires. Water standoff played out over much of the day. And the water didn't come until too late. Department of Land and Natural Resources delayed releasing water requested by West Maui Land Company to help prepare the spread of fire. Sources familiar with the situation said raw story with the details. Now specifically according to accounts of four people with knowledge of the situation. A native Hawaiian cultural practitioner and DLNR's deputy director for water resource management initially balked at West Maui Land Company's request for additional water to help prevent the fire from spreading to properties managed by the company. According to the sources, that director wanted West Maui Land to get permission from a Terra or Kalo Farm located downstream from the company's property. Even eventually releasing the water, but not until after the fire had spread. It was not clear on Monday how much damage the fire did in the interim or whether homes were damaged. And now the conflict includes opponents who do not want water to be used to fight fires, the governor said. One thing that people need to understand, especially those from far away, is that there's been a great deal of water conflict on Maui for many years. It's important, we're honest about this. People have been fighting against the release of water to fight fires. I'll leave that to you to explore. Make it help us, Mayor, help us make it make sense. The, the the amount of failures it seems to be failures I'm hearing in this story is remarkable. The idea that 99 99 people have lost their lives and only 20% of the fire area fire burn area scorched area has been searched is so scary to me. And we know that number is gonna jump so much, but then to hear that this may be human error, some of it at least, the idea that this system this horn system was not used on that island. Someone should already have an answer for that. That system should not be substituted by cell phones, should not be substituted. That system is so important. I live in a southern state, I'm from a southern state. I know what the horns for hurricanes and tornadoes sound like throughout the town. And those things are so important, especially in spaces where cell phone towers don't really work. Where internet sometimes is spotty because it's rural area. To think that an island nation is burned this way and it's 
because of water conflict and the politics around water speaks to the human toll on our earth. It speaks to what global warming is causing us and the scenarios that are being created by humans, right? The idea that someone is having a discussion as this island is being torched on who and who shall not be using water to save property is unbelievable to me. But it's also this idea that resources such as water are in a place or we are in a place where we have to divvy out and ration water on an island state. Hawaii is an island state in the middle of the Pacific, the largest ocean so big that they split it into two oceans and made another ocean and it's still the largest state. And we can't stop islands from burning. This is what we find ourselves in 2023 because of humans, because of our actions that has heated the earth to this point where we're having these fires. And then also the fact that our politics says we need to determine who can and can't get mm. to protect themselves. We're running out of time, folks. Gold, water, resources, running out of time. In March of last year in Georgia, 19 years of age, her name was Catherine Newhouse, was shot dead by her own father, Howard Newhouse, who went on to take his own life in 2019. Authorities accused the father of holding Catherine down on the bed by her throat, but the misdemeanor charge was resolved before trial in 2021 in Pennsylvania. Crescinda Ann Bright fatally shot her children, 16-year-old Jeffrey J.J. Bright and 22-year-old Jasmine Kennedy. J.J. was a transgender boy and Jasmine was non-binary. This is not, this is not an attempt to remind you of the deaths of these young folk. That's not what we're doing here. We're doing this to show the connectivity, the connectivity of what's happening in what is supposed to be the most progressive state in this country. Right outside of LA in San Bernardino County, California, the Chino Valley Unified School Board of Education actually voted to support Assembly Bill 1314. Now you might ask why is a school board voting on an assembly bill We'll get to that in a second. But think about this, this bill is so controversial that it got no support in the assembly. But now you got school boys up and down the West Coast in California voting on whether we will have schools outing teens if they're transgender or not. Not just if they use a different gender than they were born with, but even if a child goes into a transgender bathroom, we will out those children to their parents. This is not okay. For so many reasons, we have so many teens that the only safe space they have is schools. And now we're endangering them, putting them in positions like Dr. Richard was just talking about in the video we just watched. And it wasn't even a close vote. We watched the board vote four to one on a resolution to say that they will out teens if they use transgender pronouns or if they use facilities that are for teens. This is definitely gonna cause harm to teens. This is the effort of Bill Asseline. Now this is important for people in California and outside of California. And I'm gonna tell you why. For 10 years, Democrats sat silent while Republicans took over state legislatures. And we saw conservative policies being passed up and down this around this country because we did nothing, we didn't act right now. What we're seeing is Republicans at state legislatures take and give information to moms of liberty and actions just like this are being used to attack kids. 
We're gonna wait for 10 years when all of the school boards all over this country are controlled by MAGA white Republicans. We should note that I said white and I'm gonna tell you why. Majority percentage wise of kids in public school are not white students. These are minority students. This district in San Bernardino County is one of those districts. It's 80% minority. But if you look at the people screaming about this, they were white people. Their kids are not just not trans students, their kids are not even represented in this district. And we see and hear this minority of people making making rules for majority and it's costing people lives. We're not speaking hyperbole, we're seeing it. We see it in the video, we just heard about it, right? This board member, this board meeting was so packed. Hundreds of students tried to participate. A black top educator in the state tried to speak and they wouldn't let him speak. They told him, this is not your meeting, you weren't invited, go back to where you're from. And everybody that were acting like the Moms of Liberty stood and clapped every time he tried to speak. But when the people who were in opposition of this assembly bill tried to speak, they were cut off, they were rejected and we refused the ability to speak. Parents at this meeting were not allowed to speak. We did see and hear from the valedictorian at the school at Chino High. And what her statement was, unbelievable statement said, none of you on the school board have transgender children. And neither do most of the parents supporting this resolution, my God. Why do the lives of transgender children bother you so much? Many transgender children and kids are not accepted in their own homes. We saw that in the video when people were killed and they turned to school for safe havens. If the parents of the students do not know that their own child is transgender, then it's their own personal problem. And I'll go a step further and say, not only is it their, is their problem, it's also for a reason. This child probably, these children probably don't feel safe. This is me modifying the statement of Dana Moria. We also know, you know, people in this meeting said that adopting this resolution will cost lives. That too is not hyperbole. And I keep saying that because people don't understand that there are parents killing their own kids. And that was articulated by Dr. Ritchie. And those were just some of the issues, some of the issues. We are sitting silent while we watch these kids be outed by legislation like this. Now the good thing about this is this legislation can't be adopted right now because the assembly will kill it because of the, de- the democratic control. But what I'm telling you is that's California. What's gonna happen when, when school boys up and down North Carolina, Georgia, Kentucky and Tennessee start passing these legislations and supported by the state legislature. We're gonna see kids being killed by their parents and family members. OC judge, I just shot my wife, I won't be in tomorrow. Now if you wrote that in a script for Hollywood, if they weren't on strike, they'd probably say, you gotta have some more layers because this is a little silly. We're not, we can't just go with that plot, okay? Orange County judge though has been charged now with murder after shooting his wife in an argument. One of his priorities, I better call off work, that's what he did. Soon after pulling a handgun from his ankle holster, fatally shooting his wife, prosecutors say Orange County Superior Court Judge Jeffrey Ferguson alerted his staff that he wouldn't be taking the bench at the Fullerton Courthouse to handle the next day's calendar. Quote, 
I just lost it. I uh, just shot my wife. I won't be in tomorrow. I will be in custody. I'm so sorry. The judge texted his clerk and bailiff, according to documents filed late Thursday by the OC District Attorney's Office. LA Times with the details there. On the evening of the slain, according to papers filed by prosecutors, Ferguson and his wife got into an argument over dinner at a restaurant where he threatened her by making a hand gesture indicative of pointing a gun at her. Tough guy. Argument continued when the couple returned home where Cheryl Ferguson said, why don't you point a real gun at me or something to that effect. Prosecutors said in their court papers, the judge intoxicated pulled a Glock 40 caliber pistol from his ankle holster and shot her in the chest. The bullet exiting her back and hitting the wall behind her. Again, prosecutors laying out that account in the paperwork. The only explanation he offers for the murder is having had too much to drink. The judge's son who called 911 and tried to perform CPR on his mother said his father had been drinking too much. Prosecutors said the judge himself later called 911 to say his wife needed a paramedic. But when asked if he had shot her, he said, He didn't want to talk about it, so there. Ferguson smelled of alcohol, still wearing the empty ankle holster when police took him into custody. He asked officers to shoot him, according to prosecutors. He made remarks that were captured by police body cam. What an I am. Oh Man, I can't believe I did this, and I guess I'm done for a while. Police took a sample of the judge's blood to measure alcohol content seven hours after the shooting. By which time it measured 0.06, it's just below the legal limit for intoxication according to court papers. Now with clearly unstable mental condition, the judge's wide array of firearms becomes disturbing. Someone drinks too much or is under the influence a lot, should they really have all that? Ferguson's son told police that his mother had once talked the judge out of shooting himself, according to prosecutors. Prosecutors will ask the court to impose additional bail conditions on Ferguson. Getting bail? Among their concerns, a missing rifle. Though Anaheim police confiscated 47 firearms in a search of the judge's home, plus more than 26,000 rounds of ammunition, detectives were unable to find a 22 caliber rifle that is registered in his name, according to the DA. I'm so curious, Mayor. They're asking for more bail restrictions. They're, he's getting bail? Hmm. My God, hey, listen, 28,000 rounds of ammunition, 28,000 rounds of ammunition. There are towns, there are cities in this country that don't have that many people. Amen. Don't have that many people, 47 rifles confiscated, rifles and pistols confiscated, and there's still one missing, there's more, there's more. Come on, this I, all of this, all of these people who say guns save people, tell this man wife that. Guns don't save people. Had he not had guns, had he not had access to guns, all he could do is point his finger at her. And that's it. She would still be alive. This is absolutely the problem with America and gun culture. This man, so comfortable that he pulls out a gun while he's drinking. First of all, you were in a restaurant. It could have been more than just your wife. That is dangerous, beyond dangerous. A lot of foolish people out there, Mayor. I'll button it this way. Put a gun in their hands. Well, now we're talking about something else. We're talking about potential carnage. You know who she is? Sage Steele. Sage Steele. She's outspoken, controversial. Sage Steele 
is also leaving ESPN after settling her lawsuit. Steele is out at the self-proclaimed worldwide leader of sports, leaving to speak her mind without being called to HR. Just wants to have her freedom back. According to Variety, Sage Steele, the veteran ESPN sportscaster who became better known in recent years for her stances on hot topics like coronavirus vaccinations and more has left the Disney sports giant. Steele joined ESPN in 2007. She said on social media that she had recently settled the lawsuit with her employer after she was suspended in 2021. For comments she made on an outside podcast about getting vaccinated, how women dress, former President Barack Obama's lineage. Having successfully settled my case with ESPN Disney, I have decided to leave so I can exercise my First Amendment rights more freely, Steele said. I am grateful for so many wonderful experiences over the past 16 years and I'm excited for my next chapter. Steele had alleged in a 2022 lawsuit that Disney and ESPN retaliated against her for the comment she made during the podcast hosted by Jay Cutler. Taking away high profile assignments, she charged the companies had breached her contract and violated her free speech rights. If you'll recall in a conversation with former NFL QB Jay Cutler, Steele discussed identifying as biracial versus choosing either black or white. Watch. Uh, when you fill out your census, I'm like, well, I don't know when the last time I filled out my census was, but yeah. if they make you choose a race, yeah. she's like, what are you going to put? I go, well, both. She's like, well, you can't. He goes, well, what if Barack Obama chose black and he's biracial? I'm like, well, congratulations to the president. That's his thing. I go, I think that's fascinating consider, considering his black dad was nowhere to be found, but his white mom and grandma raised him. But hey, mm -hmm. you do you. I'm going to do me. I, I think to mandate, I respect everyone's decision. I really yeah. do. Yeah. But to mandate it is um, sick mm -hmm. and it's scary yeah. to me in many ways. Um, but I have a job, yeah. a job that I love and frankly, a job that I, that I need. But again, I love it. Yeah. I just, um, I'm not surprised it got to this point, especially mm -hmm. with Disney. I mean, a, a global company. Like yes. Well, she no longer works there. She no longer works at Disney and ESPN, so she can carry her free speech elsewhere. I love free speech. I don't agree with a bit of hers, but I love free speech. I absolutely do. ESPN released the following statement after Steele's on her departure, and here it is. It's pretty short. ESPN and Sage Steele have mutually agreed to part ways. We thank her for her many contributions over the years. So <laughs> I guarantee you that the Folks upstairs said it better not be, they really wanted, they were working for one sentence, okay? They really wanted one sentence here, but they settled for that. Thank you, have a good day. Bless your heart, they say in the South, bless her heart. I think that's really what their statement was saying. No matter what you believe, that's what they were saying. Folks are already doing what they do on social media. Let's just sample it, let's just sample it. She got some support too, but. Here's this one, Sage Steele and Jason Whitlock doing my pillow commercials and defending racists. I don't know that that's unfair. I'm sorry, but I don't know that that's unfair. Sage Steele and Jason Whitlock are getting ready to do a my pillow commercial on Fox. Stranger things have happened, okay? Okay, when he's not kissing up Tucker Carlson, okay, his bag, that was his bag for so many years, and they'll get together on something or another. Elon Musk will help him figure it out. 
Sage told Variety in 2017, quote, you know, because people hate on her. And this is what she had to say. She tries to ignore Fuhrer on places like Twitter, now X. The more people have been vocal about me, the stronger I've gotten. And the easier it's gotten for me to not really pay attention and not really care, she said in an interview. She won't let social media Fuhrer distract her from her job or family. I don't have enough hours in the week for those two things. So let's talk money, shall we? How much? How much money did Sage Steele settle for? Well, in June, multiple outlets reported ESPN offered her slightly more than $500,000 to part company. At the time, her attorney, powerhouse Brian Freeman, issued a statement saying they would not be accepting that amount. There's already speculation Ms. Steele may join some other far leaning to the right colleagues or ex colleagues. And she may be headed to Fox's Outkick. That's billed as the conservative alternative to ESPN. I don't know where she'll end up next. I generally do not let others define me, Mayor. Easier said on some days than others, but I know who I am, okay? And I think that that's a positive way of doing things. But I also think you gotta sometimes listen to other people. Just take a sampling of people who are reasoned in their approach to your take on some things. It's helped me learn. I don't know about you, Mayor, but it's helped me learn. She seems vapid to me, always has. Yeah, I also think, you know, I, I see the grift in this person. I'm not, I'm not here to question her intelligence or any of that. I definitely think what's telling is the absolute lack of regard for truth. Let's just dissect her statement with Jay. First, you can be black and white on the census. They asked that question, if you are more than one race. Secondly, the idea that you're on TV bragging, on a podcast bragging about not filling out your census form is absolutely un-American. Like this, this, is the, this is the disgusting nature that we move in. The idea that she thinks Barack Obama has the ability to determine his race means you don't understand what America is. Racial is a social construct. Barack Obama is not a powerful person, powerful enough where he can determine what black is. America said what black is, regardless of what he named himself on a census document. Her problem is the problem of self-identity. Self-identity is one thing, but how the world sees you, black woman, still, sage still, black woman, regardless if you wanna say it or not, you are a black woman and there will be an incident in America that will show you that. You don't get to name yourself, unfortunately. Black is not something we chose, it is something the world told us about. Barack Obama didn't choose black, he is black. And that is what America said, one drop makes you so. So whether you wanna be cool because your mother is white, Miss Sage Steele, go ahead and try to play that game. America will remind you quickly, you are still one of us when we have to deal with you. Sorry. Yeah, well said. And it is a game, isn't it? It's a game and it puts white up here. I'm not going to release that. You're right, America defined it right down to the drop. You are so right. And by the way, Barack Obama is someone's child. His parents are gone now. He didn't pick them. And I don't know why you're bringing them up. 